We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Odo, and you're listening to episode 76, Dial M for Murder. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers with me again this week. Happy Freedom Day. Happy Freedom Day to you, too. I hope you appreciate all that America does for you. Yes, uh, not to get too political, but um, enjoy your tariffs on maple syrup, sucker. It's never that good anyway. <laughs> Real people eat high fructose corn syrup. It's clearly more delicious. Aunt Jemima's. Oh, man. Maple okay. syrup is really good. It is. The the fresh stuff? Like, Do you ever get that when you come to Canada? Yes, and Martin brought some when he visited one time, and it was just amazing. It's just a world of difference, but anyway, but it, it, is, will, that's, it is. that's another story for another time. So this week's episode, Dial M for Murder, is brought to you by the Corset 19, M19. And uh, this week, we did our preview set, our preview show last week. Um, this week is going to be, it's a unique podcast because we don't normally have a week between our preview and the pre-release. So this is kind of fresh for us we're going to do a bit of a deep dive on the on the format we're going to talk a lot about removal um kind of get into some tier rankings on removal we're going to talk about a little bit about the combat tricks kind of what qualifies as removal we think and we're going to go deep on the archetypes here uh as well we're going to talk about um what what we think are the signposts in the set what are some of the key cards that we see uh up front and uh kind of the payoff cards as well and maybe try to find archetypes that that aren't so obvious or that we we can't find on the surface here so should be a jam-packed episode here but first travis has a bit of an announcement to make in in terms of uh magic arena and some content he's producing coming up yeah this is pretty cool i had um well first off i had chris clay come by chat and give me a bunch of beta codes and i had a blast giving those out I'm getting a bunch more because I've been invited to a special preview event by Wizards. Uh, it's on Wednesday the 11th in the evening. It'll start around 5 p.m. Eastern. They've hooked me up with a bunch of beta codes to give away. I have to give them all away during that stream, so we'll be giving a lot away, uh, as well as a special account to kind of preview and check out the M19 cards for Arena. So, like, this Friday, we'll be playing this on Magic Online. Next Wednesday, we'll be checking it out uh, on Arena. And I imagine it'll go very similar to the one that we did for Dominaria. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited about this one. It'll be nice to check that out on Arena. I, you know, I, I went through my rant. I've said my piece about competitive draft. Since then, I've been doing quick drafts and having an absolute blast uh, because they've been Hour of Devastation for the past week. And honestly, I'd, I'd play Hour of Devastation draft um, for years before I got tired about it. But make sure you're on the stream uh, this coming Wednesday, the 11th, uh, for this event. I don't think you want to miss that. Yeah, we'll tweet it out from the account too, but um, that's pretty awesome. They announced a whole bunch of beta keys, not only from the the streams here, the, the preview streams for M19, but also um, coming up near the end of the month, it sounds like they're giving a bunch away too. So if you're not currently in, you have no reason to not be in, hopefully, uh, unless you're super unlucky after the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes and ears out for uh, for lots of beta codes there, and we can get in. I think the stress test is somewhere around the 20th, I want to say, but I don't remember exactly. 
Um, but the last stress test, we saw a bunch of people come in and it was really good. Um, and now we've got M19 drafts. Now, are you drafting next week for this preview event or is it constructed or is it both? I don't have any more details yet other than what I've shared. But when we did it before, like in the Dominarium one, we had two hours to play with constructed decks and then two hours to draft. So like, I presume it'll be similar to that, but I'm expecting to get more information about that soon. Okay, well, we'll post that out on your Twitter there as well. And uh, if you're not following Men for Moto on Twitter, you can get those retweets. Okay, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with some pick one pack ones or do you want to rank removals first? I mean, both of those sound really good, but let's let's do the pick one pack ones, man. That's what everybody wants to hear. That's what we want to hear. That's what I want to do. Let's let's do that first. That's the most fun. All right. So, and you are right. It is the most fun. So we're going to do pick one pack ones. Now we don't go through every single card in the pack, but we do have uh, a handful of packs here that we've simulated on draft sim. And we're going to, I'm going to read out the key cards that I think are candidates for per- first picks. Like we're not going to throw things like, uh, I'm trying to think of one here. Knight of the Tusk, for example, that's probably not a first pick quality card ever out of most packs. So um, I'm just going to go over the five or six cards that I think are candidate for the first picks early in the format. Um, And we're going to approach it as if it is early in the format. So rares might be a little more interesting because we haven't played with them yet. Um, But we're, you know, we'll give our thoughts on these ones. And uh, there's really no right or wrong answer unless murder is in the pack, in which case then it's always murder. Well, I would say the right answer is the one that I give and the wrong answer is the one that you give. So I'm just not going to give any answers then at all. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So first look at these cards, man. I can't wait to start cracking these packs on the weekend here. All right. So first pack, I'm going to start with the rare. So we're going to go the first, the, the first rare in our first pack is Thorn Lieutenant, which is one and a green for a two, three elf. Pretty good right there. Whenever Thorn Lieutenant becomes the target of a spell or an ability an opponent controls, create a one, one green elf warrior creature token. And it has a mana sink, which is great. Five and a green, Thorn Lieutenant gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. That's a okay. spicy meatball there. So that's pretty good for, for a rare. Not sure. the best rare, but it's, you know, if, if if the rest of the pack were duds, you'd be pretty happy having to take this card. Next card is an uncommon. Militia Bugler. Two and a white for a two, three with Vigilance. It's a human soldier. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with power two or less from among them and put it on into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. We've okay. got an Uncommon Land, which is Rupture Spire. Uh, Rupture Spire enters the battlefield tapped, and you have to pay one when it enters the battlefield or else you sacrifice it. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. At Common, we have Aviation Pioneer, two and a blue for a one-two. Human Artificer that comes with a 1-1 colorless Thopter token with flying. We have Omen Speaker, 1 and a blue for a 1-3. Omen, Omen Speaker entered the battlefield, Scry 2. And those are your cards. Those are what I think would be quality first picks out of most packs, I think. Okay, there's nothing else here that you think is really in contention? I don't think so, unless you count a card like Giant Spider. Uh, I have Giant Spider way behind Thorn Lieutenant, though, I think. Um... And there's no black cards here either, so no red cards either. Okay. Well, for me, I think I'm going to go with the Thopterist. Uh, the Elf is a really good two-drop, uh, but it I don't think this is a format that's entirely going to revolve around two-drops. Although, again, I think it's a really good one. It's got the threat of activation going. It reminds me of like a turbocharged Dark Thicket Wolf, uh, which was a very good two-drop. 
But I, I feel like the Aviation Pioneer plays a little more into what Blue wants to do. So none of these are cards that I'm like super upset if I have to abandon, right? Any of these picks, if I get past a great red card next, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to take it. But I feel like this one gives me an evasive body, a decent blocker, some value if I can recur it, and it kind of plays into what Blue is looking to do. Like it's it's very similar to the white card in that it's a 2-3 two, for 2, or excuse me, for 3, but you know, one power and toughness of this has flying. Blue seems like it's going to care about artifacts a little bit. The Bugler needs to go in a specifically an aggressive deck, and it's a 2-3 body in an aggressive deck. And I, I know there's some, you know, four, four mana cards that you can get with the Bugler, but uh, I, I think that's where I'm at is on the Aviation Pioneer. Okay, so you like Aviation Pioneer over Omen Speaker, obviously, if you're in blue. Now, that yeah. this is in a vacuum, right? Like, there might be decks where you'd rather the Omen Speaker sure um, over the pioneer but that that's a fair first pick so i don't necessarily agree that the bugler only goes in aggressive decks and the reason is is because i think we see a lot of different cards that have power two or less there's a yeah there's a high number of low power high toughness cards in the set so giant spider is a good example of that right you could um, even get a wall you can get a wall with it too right so it, it's i think it, it can have value in other decks um but obviously it's at its best when it's getting you know a two drop or a three drop or something that you can play either on the same turn on turn six or seven um or you can play two spells the next turn right like i do, I do think it fits into both of those thorn lieutenant is interesting to me not because of the on target ability making a one one token um because i don't think you know this is going to be a good target for removal spell quite frequently but i think i like the activated ability quite a bit which makes this a very good early play like a two three on two um especially let's say on the on the draw like your opponent probably won't be able to attack you the next turn or potentially for two turns after that let's say um if they don't run out of three one um and then when you get grindy into the late game or something like that this thing starts attacking or blocking as a six seven and i think it's it's huge i think where it suffers the most is in the mid game if you can't double spell in a turn so I think I want to try the Thorn Lieutenant, but I really don't blame you for taking the Aviation Pioneer out of this pack. Early on in the format, I'm going to take the rare. If it turns out that it's not great, then I'm with you on the Pioneer. You know, you may have talked me into the Bugler too. I'm still not entirely sure between these two, because it's like, do you want a 2-3 that might draw you a card some amount of the time? Or do you want a 2-3 that has, you know, half evasion and sort of plays into a color sub-synergy? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with either of these. And I don't fault you for wanting to try the rare either. Yeah. I just feel like it, like it's a really good two drop, but like how many two drops am I playing? If this is gate crash fast, you know, maybe I want six and a premium one is just like a maze balls, uh, you know, but if it's like, you know, Dominaria hour of devastation speed, which are the two draft formats I've been drafting the most, then a two mana two three is kind of, kind of meh, even yeah, if pretty, it's got a, a decent activated ability. Yeah. Pretty replaceable. Right. So, which yeah. We'll know more, I think, as the format goes on. So, okay. That's, that's a good first pick one, pack one, though, I think, of the format. I think I'd be disappointed with that pack, though, wouldn't you? Um, Early in the format, I don't, like I said, I don't mind trying the rare. But, like, you know, Bugler, you got to build around. Pioneer's kind of, like, really, like, I couldn't have gotten Luminous Bonds or something like that as a common in my pack. I might just take the land, too. Like, you know, like, try to end, yeah, and play we'll three colors. See. Like, mm -hmm. we'll have to see if it's a three-color format, right? All right, next pack. Got a rare that um, I, I don't know if it's good or not. I think it could end up being controversial. Vivian's Invocation, five green green for a sorcery at rare. 
Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. When a creature is put onto the battlefield this way, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent controls. So seven mana, get a creature, kill a creature. I mean, it's expensive. I've seen people say it's great. I've seen people say it's terrible. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the evaluation of it in a second. At Uncommon, we've got Vampire Sovereign. Three black black for a 3-4 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses three life and you gain three life. Also at Uncommon, we have Vine Mare. Two green green for the 5-3 hexproof horse that can't be blocked by black creatures. I think that's the early front runner for most annoying creature in the set. Mm -hmm. And at Blue, we have Aviation Pioneer again. So now we get to compare Pioneer to kind of some maybe more powerful cards or different types of cards. And then at red, we've got Spark Tongue Dragon, which is three red red for a 3-3 three, three Flying Dragon. When it enters the battlefield, you may pay two in a red to essentially kick it. When you do, it deals three damage to any target. So this feels like, to me, it's really a conversation between the Vine Mare and the Black Vampire. And I think both need a little bit of build around... Well, no, see, that's the thing. Like, the Vine Mare leaves me open to getting some cheesy enchantments... And just kind of going all in. However, the downside there is if I draw those cheesy enchantments without the Vine Mare, I've got a real decision to make. So I'm looking to pair the Vine Mare with the blue enchantment that makes something unblockable, right? And like, that feels so good when you land the Vine Mare and then play the enchantment on it. You just win. Like, game's over. But sometimes you draw the enchantment without the Vine Mare. And sometimes you just don't end up in blue. Like, the card's still not bad. Like, 4 mana for 5-3 Hexproof seems pretty good to me. It seems like there's a good bit of stuff that can jump in front of it. So I think I'm talking myself into the Vampire the more I think about it. Like, all it really needs is just to go into a black deck, and that's a pretty big life swing. Yeah, the 6-point life swing is huge. Um, I think early, I'm going to take the Vine Mare. It's, it's the Turtle, right? Like, you had Turtle plus um, Arcane Flight. Yeah, well, I didn't want to put Arcane Flight on it. I wanted to put on Sarah's Wings on uh, it. Sure, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? And sometimes you just stuck Arcane Flight on something. I mean, I had a game that I won in Dominaria where I put Arcane Flight on the 1-3 artifact that untaps artifacts. And I remember chat saying, it's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I got nothing else to do. This thing's going to go the distance. And it did like 12 points of damage over the course of the game. I won a game at the Team GP by putting Arcane Flight on a Bloodstone Goblin. Just made a 3-3 flyer, and they could never deal with it, and I won the game. Yeah, so, like, you know, sometimes you just have to do that, and it's fine. Sometimes it's the winning play, and sometimes you get two for one. So, like, I think taking that and then making sure you get enchantments is probably where you want to go. I think that unblockable enchantment isn't uncommon, if I remember correctly. So we hopefully don't have to worry about that too much. I'm on the Vine Mare team, but I think it's very close between it and Sovereign. And I'm I'm off Invocation. Like, I don't even want to experiment with it. I want to see it beat me before I play it. You need to be very specifically in a big butt creature deck with enough ramp that you're ramping either this or your big butt creature out. And at that point, I'd just rather have two big butt creatures, I think, in, in my deck. I'm with you. It's it's neat that they've stapled them together, but, like, it, it's another question, and I, I I make this comparison a lot. There were some fantastic... Uh, seven mana creatures in Gatecrash as a set. And like during the set review, we all thought they were going to be great and they turned out to be unplayable. Like they were just, you couldn't get seven drops in that set. And then Dragon's Maze, the third set in that block, and I kind of got to miss three set blocks for this. Like all of a sudden those went from unplayable to bombs because now everything slowed way down. We're all playing three color decks and you can totally get to seven drops. 
I thought that was some interesting counterplay that those cards went from unplayable to bombs. And like, this is just, we don't know yet. We also don't know what you're going to get. Like it, looking at seven cards, it's super unlikely that you're going to whiff. You're going to hit a creature, but it, and it's not fight, right? It just like, you know, follow the hammers, the, the opponent's creature. So like, you're going to get your value from this. It's just a matter of, can we get to seven mana and cast this consistently? And I don't know that yet. So like, you know, first pick pack one of a, a new draft. I, that's not where I want to find that out. I, I'm thinking I'm with Dave. Beat me with it and we can talk. Uh, and the honorable mention is Sparktone Dragon. I think this could be a very good card in the red-green ramp deck. Yeah, sure. The, like, right. there's a dragon's deck. Like, that's yeah. what red-green is wanting to do. And I think it'll be fine there. I just, I don't think I need to first pick it. It's neat that, you know, red has common flyers. Yeah, that's not usually something that they get. So um, red could be a force, at least in the air, right? Which is mm-hmm. Which is kind of awesome. All right, next pack here. I think this one's a bit of a doozy here, so I'm going to be curious to see what your take is on this one. In fact, there's a card in here that I missed in my first first go around here. So we've got, at rare, Liliana's Contract, three black black for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you draw four cards and you lose four life. Uh, and then it has flavor text. If you control four more demons with different names, you win the game. Psychic Symbiont, four black blue. For a 3-3 Flying Horror, when it enters the battlefield, target opponent discards a card, and you draw a card. Sweet value off this one. We've got another gold uncommon here. Aerial Engineer, 2 white blue for a 2-4 Flyer. As long as you control an artifact, it gets plus 2, plus 0, and has flying. So this goes with your uh, your Thopterist, the Engineer from before. 2 green blue, this is easily my favorite card and my favorite creature in the set so far, is a Skyrider Patrol. The 2-3 Elf Scout with flying. The beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay blue-green. When you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target creature, and that gain- creature gains flying until end of turn. We have our first removal out of both of these packs. Shock. Shockingly. Uh, it's just an instant red deals two damage to any target. We have Lich's Caress. Three black black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature. You gain three life. And then we have Star Crown Stag. Three and a white for Stanley. 3-3. Uh, three, three. When it attacks, tap target creature defending player controls. This is a this is a stack pack. This is a really good pack. So this is probably a fair point to mention the uh, power toughness charts that Zombub uh, of Twitch chat fame made. It looks like Shock is going to kill a lot of stuff. Yeah, so just looking at the count um, of all cards in the set... There are 60-ish cards that Shock will kill straight up, not counting creature tokens. That's a lot. It kills more stuff than it doesn't. Lightning Strike kills kills everything. It kills more stuff than it doesn't. Tack on another 44 creatures on top of that, and now you're in Lightning Strike territory. So there are, what's the math on that? 60, just over 100 creatures that Lightning Strike will kill which is kind of insane to me, it feels like. But Shock does kill a lot of things. Plus, it kills tokens. It kills a lot of relevant things. Yeah. I think Shock's going to be very good in this format. I think it will be, too, which is a, a big change because it was kind of awful in Kaladesh block and, and Aether Revolt. For me, I, like you you had me at Psychic Symbiont, and I was pretty excited, but mm-hmm. I think Skyrider Patrol is just better. Like I, I understand that with Psychic Symbiont for six mana... I'm getting a solid three for one, and I can't believe I'm like, yeah, three for one's not good enough. 
But for four mana, I get something that my opponent has to deal with, right? Like it's it's already a, I've paid four mana for two three flyers all the time and been happy with it. Like with flavor text, that that's just a fine card. I'd rather have a three two. I'd rather pay less mana for it. Whatever, like I'll deal with it. This one says on it, like I'm just going to start dumping counters on my dudes and hitting you in the face with them. And if you don't deal with it, I will eventually win the game through it. So it, it's it's a, a solid body, a good rate. It's in green, which is typically a color that has a little bit easier time splashing than others. So like, there's a chance that I could you know be green red and still play this. And it, it's a mana sink. Like, but throw all of this together, and I'm just like, yeah, this is this is an interesting pack for me to pick Skyrider Patrol out of. Very sad that there's shock. Starcrown Stag in this pack as well, because I think those are, and Lich's Crest too, I think those are high quality first pick commons. I'm definitely yeah. on the Skyrider Patrol, um, but I think all three of those gold cards would be first pickable too. Like if I first pick Aerial Engineer, I'm probably happy with it at some point, um, See, assuming that I, I can pick up some of the, the Thopterists there. I don't think that one has as big a payoff. I feel like the, the Skyrider Patrol is like, hey, just play blue-green, this is going to be good. The Psychic Symbian is like, hey, play blue-black, this is going to be good. And the, the aerial engineer is like, play blue and white and make sure you have enough artifacts. And you're probably going to, but the other ones just need you to resolve it and it's good. This one needs you to draw it in conjunction with other cards. And even if I've got six artifacts in the deck, like the payoff is just a 4-4 four, four flyer. I mean, for four, that, that's not a bad deal, but like we can get pretty close to that in white for five mana getting that 4-3 flyer and it, it, it's fine. Like, I, I don't feel like I need to go... I, I feel like the Aerial Engineer isn't one I'd first pick. It's one where, like, I get a good white... You know, I first pick a Luminous Bonds, I get past an Aerial Engineer, and then I'm like... Uh, or or um, the, the Thopter Maker. Mm-hmm. What's that one called again? Oh, I think it's Aerial Engineer. We keep calling it Thopterist because I think you did once. Yeah. Aerial Sorry, Engineer aviation, is the gold card. Aviation Pioneer. Yes, okay. A- so, yes. So that sequence seems to me like I pick a Luminous Bonds, I pick an Aviation Pioneer, and then I get past this Aerial Engineer, and I'm like, sure, let's do it. Whereas I, I think the Symbiote and the, the Skyrider Patrol are ones I just snap out of a pack. That's fair. So no love for the drawing four cards for five mana in black, hey? No, I don't feel like I want that. Like, there's so many divinations in this the set. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like if I want to draw cards, I can find a way to draw cards. And I, I'm not entirely convinced that I, I want to go all in on drawing cards anyway. I think the four life is surprisingly a lot because you're casting this in the late game. I'm going to assume you've taken some damage. You're nugging for yourself yourself for four, and then you're probably not doing anything else that turn. Uh, I don't know. But you're right. Divination is just the way to go, right? Like, even if, I guess if you're playing, like, black-green, maybe, but... Then you've got Mind Rot, you've got Macabre Waltz, like, uh, you've got Gravedigger. There's plenty of ways to to generate card value in black whatever, so I don't feel like I need to take that there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. All right, on to the next pack. All right, this pack, not as interesting, but we have some... Some still some interesting cards in here. So our rare is Ajani's Last Stand. Two white, white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature or planeswalker you control dies, you may sacrifice this. If you do, create a 4-4 white avatar creature token with flying. And if this is discarded as a result of a spell or an ability an opponent controls, and you control a planes, you get to create a 4-4 white avatar creature token with flying. 
our uncommons are declare dominance three green green for uh this is lure right that's the that's the effect on this one target creature mm-hmm. gets plus three plus three until end of turn and all creatures able to block it this turn do so we've got our uh a red dragon four red red for a volcanic dragon it's a four four flyer with haste period knightly valor four and white for uh, an enchantment aura enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has vigilance and when this enters the battlefield you get a two two white knight creature token with vigilance those are pretty good uncommons there too and then we have pegasus courser two and a white for a one three flyer oh and dwindle sorry we have a removal in this pack as well two and a blue for an enchantment aura uh, enchanted creature gets minus six minus zero and when enchanted creature blocks destroy it i think i'm on declare dominance that's interesting to me I, I think I may have been playing too much Hour of Devastation. There's a split card in Hour of Devastation that is functionally this, and I can't remember the da- the name of the darn thing. Was it Destined, Destined to, lead. to Lead? Yeah, it was Destined to Lead. And I have won so many games by just, you know, getting, like, we're stable, and it just breaks a board stall and does something that no other card can do. Now, there's an advantage there with Destined to Lead in that I can play it as a two-mana combat trick and then later get the lure to kill my opponent. They know it's coming. But, I mean, a play pattern that I've had plenty of times with that was get in a board stall, just get enough power on the board, and then cast both halves of it in the same turn, which is functionally this card, right? It's plus one, plus oh, and indestructible, and everything has to block it. It's not quite as much fun as putting it on a death touch creature. But frankly, this would do the job too, and there's some, you know, death touch creatures in green here. So I feel like this is just giving me the most unique effect which is we've gotten into a board stall and now I want to be able to win. It, it's it's also kind of okay on curve if I want to use it as like a weird edict. So I feel like it can sort of play as removal-ish. Um, so I, I think if we're like at a competitive draft right in the beginning, I'm going to take Declare Dominance. If I'm at F&M, I probably take a Johnny's Last Stand to see if it's any good because I'm still not sure. Like I've... I've played with that style of card before a long time ago, um, but those were asking you to do things like play a creature, or when your opponent plays a creature, this does something. And this one's like, I gotta make something die. I've gotta, ha- I've gotta make a trade happen. But trades happen all the time, so like, I-, I can't evaluate that card properly. So I think I would just take declare dominance and you know monkey around. Yeah. So compare Johnny's Last Stand to Dragon Egg. Dragon Egg is so much easier to get the Dragon Token out of it than Ajani's Last Stand is to get the Angel Token. Nah, it's kind of the same thing. I have to specifically have the Dragon Egg die instead of just have anything die. Right. Dragon Egg on an empty board, sorry, is way better than Ajani's Last Stand. That's that's where it's the key thing, right? Sure, okay. Right? And I don't know. I don't think I'm in on Ajani's Last Stand. I've been doing some thinking about it and like thinking of all of the different scenarios where it would be good and where it would be bad. And I think I have more not so great scenarios where I'd much rather just a four mana creature of any kind. Yeah. You know, for example, like a like a giant spider or a Pegasus Courser. I guess that's three mana. But like, there's just so many other things that I think I'd rather cast at four mana. Which is, I think, part of the problem with it. Anyway, what, we can we can come back to that one. I'm curious to see how it plays. But you're right. I think at Friday Night Magic, I give it a try. It's really good against Mind Rot. Um, Declare Dominance. I'm with you on that one. I really liked, uh, what was it, Destined to Lead? Is yeah. That what we said it was? Mm-hmm. Um, there is the Uncommon Death Toucher in green, which 
is best buds with this. I think if you take Declare Dominance and you see any green Death Toucher, you take it immediately. There's a common Death Toucher in green. Oh, is I mean, it common? It's a, it's a scathe think... zombie, but yeah, it's a three mana 2-2 two, two Death Touch. Oh, that's the one that I was thinking of. I didn't realize it was common. Okay, that makes Declare Dominance go way up for me. I thought it wasn't uncommon. So the fact that you should be able to see the Basilisk at least once in one of these packs coming up means that I think Dominance goes way up. Dragon is interesting to me. Um, it's the Red Sarah Angel. That's yeah. um, that's a lot of damage. It's a repeatable Lava Axe, pretty much. And I think, you know, red attacking in the air at common and uncommon is going to throw people for a loop in this format. If they've, let's say, started with Dominaria or if they started with Rivals of Ixalan, for example. You know, we remember the Glorybringer days. I mean, this is no Glorybringer, but like sometimes Glorybringer on its own without killing a creature was just as bad as when it was killing a creature. So I'm between those two. I'm going to take the Declare Dominance with you, though. Um, Volcanic Dragon, I'd be certainly happy to first pick out of this pack, though, as well. And a nod towards Pegasus Courser. That may just be that I've played too much Dominaria, which is the first time I, you know, we got to play with this card. But it's really good with like a, you know, two mana three one, and those are not hard to find in this set either. Mm -hmm. Man, Dragon, or sorry, Dragon Giant Spider keeps going up and up in value for me. The more that I, the more that I review this this format. So, all right, yeah, I think there's a reason that it's in here for sure. Absolutely. All right, I got one more for you. Okay. All right, one more for you. This is an interesting pack here too, I think. So our rare is Goblin Trashmaster. Two red red for the 3-3 three, three Goblin Lord. Other goblins you control get plus one, plus one. You can sacrifice a goblin to destroy target artifact. Lightning Strike, one and a red for bare bones. Instant deal three damage to any target. We have Luminous Bonds, two and a white for our pacifism of the set. Enchanted Creature can't attack or block. And that's it. Those are your interesting picks. And I, I really do think it's between those three picks. There's a bunch of average picks here as well, but I think Luminous Bonds and Lightning Strike are kind of the... the. I mean, we said Lightning Strike basically kills anything, and Luminous Bonds basically kills everything. So now we're kind of in the in the range of, is the rare better than the removal in this pack? Because I think Lightning Strike and Luminous Bonds are like your bar for removal. They, they should be the, the standard that you look at when you're evaluating other cards in the pack. Yeah, agree. So what Trashmaster has going for it is that if you're playing red, you're probably going to end up with some goblins anyway. Because mm -hmm. like the, the Boggart Brute was a relatively high pick and Goblin Instigator is a relatively high pick for, for two drops in, in that color. Uh, that said, I think what I'm going to do here is what Ray taught me. And that's take the white card and let my neighbors fight over these two. Because I think both of those are very good. I think they're all about on par. Like, as soon as you said Goblin Trash Master, I was like, well, I'm taking that unless there's removal. And then you said Lightning Strike, and I'm like, man, that sucks. Because I'm going to take the Lightning Strike, and my neighbor's going to go into red. And then you said Luminous Bonds, and I'm like, everything's okay. We'll mm -hmm. just take that, let both of our neighbors go into red, and just just let it go. Let it go. We'll play white and something that's not red. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how the draft shakes out to see if you do get enough goblins if you take the Trash Master. Um, I know for sure that elves, like the Elf Lord, I don't think will be very good. The Night yeah. Lord, I think will be, I think the Night Lord will be very good. The Skeleton Zombie Lord looks pretty good as well. Trash Master, I'm kind of on the fence on. Um, get, and then get, obviously the Spirit Lord is, is not good either. Get off the fence. Uh, we played with Boggart Brute in Origins and it was absurd. Mm -hmm. That was a very aggressive format. And I'm not entirely sure if this is as aggressive as Origins, 
But I do know that a 3-mana three 3-2 three, Menace is good. Like, again, I've been playing a lot of Hour of Devastation, which was a relatively slow format, and there was a 3-mana three 3-2 three, Haste Zombie Minotaur in black, and it was good, and I've lost games to that card. So, like, you're you're going to value those. And then I think the, the premium common 2-drop uh, is the, the Dragon Fodder, the, the, you know, the 1-1 one, one that comes with the 1-1. One, one. They're mm-hmm. both goblins. So, like, I, I think if you're playing red, you're going to have some number of both of those cards or red wasn't open. Right. So you just kind of have to make sure you prioritize the goblins. I mean, I guess yeah, that's the I, same I with the Yeah, but I think you're prioritizing well. the goblins either, anyway. They're just good. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I, I can dig that. But I'm with you on the Luminous Bonds front, um, although I would definitely try the rare um, early in the format. That's fair, too. Okay. It's a pretty good pick one, pack ones. Yeah, this has been fun. I'm ready to draft. I want to. I want to play now. I mean, it's sealed. We get to do on Friday, right? I think so. I think it yeah. comes out on Friday as sealed, and then draft on Monday. I'm doing the pre-release this weekend, so I don't know if I get to do a sealed okay. online. But I'm looking forward to draft it. Sealed should be fun too. Uh, I think draft will be more interesting for me, but that's that's just me in general. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to do the PTQs again. Like, I really like core set play, and it, it feels like they're usually a little more balanced, and like the power cards are usually rare, and there's certainly some bombs in this set, but it seems a much lower power level than Dominaria. So I think I might like to try the competitive scene again with this. We'll see. All right, sweet. All right, so let's. So we talked a bit about Shock and Lightning Strike and, and cards like that, and the kind of the bar for, for picks in, in the set. So. I want to talk about the removal and what's your early take on kind of the tiers of removal? Like which removals are you taking over most things, which is kind of like your middling tier of removal and then which removal spells are you not really happy to take? Do you kind of have a a ranking or can we just like flesh this out here for for a couple of seconds? Yeah, let's, let's go through them and talk about them. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Okay. So what do you have as your top removal spells just in general? What's your top tier, do you think? I feel like the uncommon ones from each of the colors are actually pretty good. Uh, so murder, obviously, being a big one. Um, the Hieromancer's Binding. Cage. Cage. Hieromancer's Cage, I think, is actually pretty good. Uh, green, we got Fall of the Dentures. What's the actual name of that card? I've always called it Fall of the Dentures. <laughs> I have no idea which one you're talking about here. Uh, it's got the picture of the human biting the werewolf. Rabid bite. Rabid bite. Like, that's available at common. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm taking that over a lot of stuff, too. Luminous Bonds fits in there. Um, Lightning Strike fix, fits in there. And I think the, the Blue Enchantment uh, might also fit in there. So I, I think those are kind of my top-tier removal. The Blue Enchantment is interesting to me. And Dwindle it, is what that one's yeah, called. Yeah, Dwindle. I think it's, I think it's the Blue aura problem that we always have where it's like man this like eight mana claustrophobia sure looks good because it's the only blue removal spell that's not a counter spell yeah right um but that that's just what blue does right like that's just a thing so i think i'm with you on that one i think it's it's a first pick like pick one pack one i think i'm knocking the blue one down right and i'm taking any of those other ones over the blue one but if the blue one's the only one there (sighs) I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I think I could probably get my removal in other colors, yeah. right? Like, every other color either has unconditional removal, which I guess this kind of is unconditional removal if your opponent's not playing naturalize. But, like, you have um, murder, 
I guess I guess white doesn't necessarily no white has the assassinate right. So you've got murder, assassinate, rabbit no, bite, no, 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 lightning no. strike. Assassinate's not in this conversation. That's not top tier removal. No, but I think I think it. I think I might take it over the blue enchantment. I wouldn't. Let's let's compare this to luminous bonds and walk sure. through this. It's the same as luminous. Not the same as luminous bonds, but like it's luminous bonds. Except your opponent doesn't gain four life. Sure, sure. So with this, it's luminous bonds, and your opponent gains four life. I would play that all day. Like the thing that I need to be dead is now dead. They're going to get a free block out of it. Cool. And blue is so focused on evasion, and frankly, so is every color other than green. There's no guarantee that they're going to get a profitable block with it anyway. That's true. I think I think I think where I'm going with that is I'd rather get my removal in the other colors. And blue can be support, right? Like blue can be my evasive creatures and my counter spells, for example, my essence scatters, and then I can get you know, lightning strikes, luminous bonds in the other colors. And that will be where my removal comes from. Cause that's usually what I do in blue or if I'm playing blue, something right. Is like, I'm not necessarily taking claustrophobias and things like that. Deep freezes because I'm looking to get those things in other colors. Yeah. But, but there's you, been, th- th- there have been times where I don't have the removal and I'm like, I just need a deep freeze. Oh, sure. Cause... Sure. But if we're talking pick one, pack one, I think I'd take any of the removal in other colors above this one. Sure. I, I, the only point that I'm still arguing with you about is like if it comes down to this versus a, a decent creature, not a great one, a decent mm-hmm. one. I think I'm still taking this. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. Because if I end I, up blue and I have three of these and that's my only interaction, I'm all right with that. Sure. All right. all right, you sold me on that one. You can you sold me on the it's basically luminous bonds. Yeah, and I, I think that's good enough. And then there's a tier of removal that's under this. Um, and I, I think for me, assassinates a part of that. Yeah. What's the white assassin? I forget the name of it. It's take vengeance. I think. Yeah. Let me look it up. Make I'm sure looking. we're reading these right. Take, take vengeance. One in a white for a sorcery to start ta- destroy target target tapped creature. And like, I'll play this. I just I doubt that I'm going to first pick it. Mm-hmm. And the 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 thing comes in like, I will play five luminous bonds, and you know. 16 creatures and call it a deck and be pretty happy but i can't really play five take vengeances i can probably pay one since it's a sorcery that destroys target tapped creature that means whatever i'm killing has already done something it's hit me at least once it's you like you you can hardly ever kill creatures with good activated abilities with this even if they tap because your opponent will just do it at the end of your turn so like there's things that this can't kill and i have to have already taken damage from it and your life total is certainly a resource and you can use it, but you can't use it that many times. So, I, like, I'll certainly play one of these in any white deck. I just don't feel like I should have to take it that highly. And I, I've played with this card before. You referenced Assassinate. Uh, that was two and a black for the same effect at, at sorcery speed. And, like, that was okay, but you didn't exactly want four of them. So I, I think this is fine, but I ain't going nuts over it. Mm-hmm. A Lich's Caress, though. So that's got to be in that middling tier of sometimes you just need a sorcery speed removal spell that kills anything right yeah and it it, like it gets more valuable the less i have in other areas Mm -hmm. right so if i've got two luminous bonds and then i get past a lich's caress i may kind of peek at the creatures in the pack first i don't feel like i have to take it right but if i picked two good black creatures or maybe a good green creature and a good black creature whatever and then i see lich's caress i might go ahead and grab it then 
Because like one thing I've noticed, I've ended up with decks sometimes where I don't take the non-premium removal, and then I end up with a deck that has like one or two ways to interact with a board. And if we're just playing normal magic and my opponent doesn't draw a bomb, I can usually outplay them and you know at least get a decent win rate out of that. But sometimes they play the thing that you have to kill. And there's not as many of them in this set, but they're here. And the enchantments, the, the auras that are kind of a sub-theme in green-white are kind of encouraging people to like, hey, let's go on in and play Battleship Magic. And if you're not able to punish that, you're going to lose to it. So like, if I don't already have some good removal spells, Lich's Caress goes way up for me. Whereas if I've got a couple good ones, I, I might table this, right? Or like if I see one fifth pick, sure, let's let's grab it. Do you remember the six mana... Uh, sorcery speed removal sip of hemlock yeah there have been a, a billion different variants of that it seemed like six mana was where they were going for black removal for a while i think i think it'll play very much the same as that one so that was in the theros block if i remember correctly which was mm-hmm. battlecruiser magic and sometimes you just needed to kill a big thing and you needed that piece of removal and that's what you got you got sip of hemlock there was also some pretty good cheap removal in that format as well. So it's kind of like, I think it'll probably be the same as that format. So anybody that played in that Theros block might remember that. But like, sometimes you just had to run a sip of Hemlock and you just had to suck it up. And you're like, great, this is my removal. You know, as long as I survive to six mana, we'll be okay. So it'd be interesting to see where, where that one fits in. Um, I, I like that there is very good removal in all of these colors. Um, and then there's kind of like subpar removal. And the only reason it's subpar is because we have great removal. Like if, if all we had in this format in black removal was Lich's Caress, like great. Okay. We have unconditional removal at five mana and that's just what the format is. So it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of good that we have playable removal in all of the slots. Um, I'll be, I'm pretty happy about that. So couple- I, I'm, I'm curious if one of the things that they're doing here by giving a shock and lightning strike pacifism and an uncommon pacifism and then murder and, um, Lich's Caress, as well as Strangling Spores, which is the one I want to talk about next, is just making sure that regardless of what a player is doing, you will get some removal. You'll get to play removal spells in your deck. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things that they typically try to do with corset design is make sure that even if you you kind of don't know what you're doing with drafting, you'll still end up with an okay deck. And your advantage isn't like, I go in being a good drafter and I get an amazing deck and, you know, Tom goes in never having drafted before and gets an unplayable pile. That's usually not how it works out. I just end up with a better one than him. And then I get to show my skill in the the play area too. And I like that, right? Like if the only removal I have is a Strangling Spores and a Lich's Caress, I feel like I can still play Magic. Absolutely. Don't forget about Electrify either. Oh yeah, we we skipped right over Electrify. So Lightning Lightning Strike kills everything. Electrify kills everything else. There's, what, 11 creatures, uh, counting rares, that Electrify doesn't kill. Yeah. It, it, Electrify kills a lot of things. It's it's If Lightning Strike is the black murder, or the red murder, then Electrify is the red Lich's Caress? Yeah, and it's cheaper. And it's instant. And it's instant, right? So there's some pretty good removal. So it's interesting, because like, a red drafter should be able to get a good toolbox of removal spells between lightning strike at uncommon and then you pick up any number of shocks and electrifies to fill out the rest it doesn't matter what your other color is at that point you're good on removal 
Yeah, it is a little awkward in an auras set, and like a lot of sets have been auras sets lately. But like the the red removal means that you have to have it up when they go to enchant their dude, and if you do, you blow them out, and if you don't, you get blown out because you can't kill it. So like against a green white deck, I might just never tap out with that lightning strike, you know, until they play an X four or something. Like, it, it might be worth not casting another two-drop just to make sure that I'm safe from, you know, some stupid enchantment. Agreed. So you wanted to talk about Strangling Spores, which is great, because this is on my list of question marks. I think this might be better than Lich's Caress. And that's because that Lightning Strike kills everything. That means Lich's Caress must also kill everything? It kills a lot, and I really value that instant speed. It means if my opponent, it, it like gets me into a situation like Lich's Caress at sorcery speed means if you have something that I need dead, it's dead, right? So if Lightning Strike kills just about everything, it means I'm giving up that kill everything for the flexibility of being able to do this whenever I need. Because like basic magic sets of all time, the person who gets the most two-for-ones wins. So if you attack your hill giant into my hill giant and use a combat trick, and then I use strangling spores, I've killed your creature and you've used your combat trick, and I still keep my creature. I've traded this card for two of yours. So anytime I can get instant speed removal, even if it's a little more expensive than I think it should be, and even if it doesn't quite kill everything, I'm still going to value that pretty highly. So that's that's why I think strangling spores is up here, and it, it may be your second best removal spell after murder. In black. In black, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, there's like so much removal here. Like you should be able to get removal of some variety in any deck. Um, I think in green, just make sure you're taking your rabid bites very highly because there isn't other removal in green. That's not a combat trick, really. Um, and be aware, too, we're used to fight spells. This is not a fight spell. Your creature doesn't fight. It just deals the damage. They can still remove your guy in response to you casting it. So, like, be careful. We've just mentioned a bunch of really good instant speed removal spells, and people are going to get blown out by that. So, like, pay attention to what your opponent has untapped. Have they had an opportunity to cast a lightning strike or an electrify or a strangling spores first? But, like, rabid bite is way better than a fight spell. And we've also been in two formats where the fight spell wasn't actually that good. Like, I think Ancient Animus was a little bit better in Dominaria than Pounce was in Ixalan, but neither of them were amazing. Like, I've had green decks where I didn't pick them and wouldn't have put them in the deck if someone just slipped one under the table to me. Whereas Rabid Bite, I've played with this card before uh, in the, the Shadows block, and, like, you would play as many of these as you could get. Like, I had a deck with three of them, and it felt unfair. I mean, even going back to Fall of the Hammer in Theros, which is functionally what this card is, that, that was terrific removal. Yeah, Tail Lash or Tail Swipe or whatever it was, in, which is basically Fall of the Hammer as well, in Khan's Block, I think it was, was also very good. Same idea. Yeah, yeah, th- those those cards were just very strong. So gobble these up if you're in green. I, mm. I will first pick Rabid Bite out of a lot of packs. I agree, especially if I want to be green, which yeah. I love. I love being green, so I'm hoping that it's good in this format. I think it's going to be. Green looks pretty... I mean, they all look good, to they be all, fair. They always look good to me when we first start reviewing these things. It'll see how it plays out, I think. All right. Archetypes. You want to do a quick spin through some archetypes here? Yeah, I think that's worth doing. All right. So, usually the uncommon gold cards are the signposts for the archetypes in these in these formats. And uh, this is really no exception, this set. I'm going to start with blue-white. So... 
this is the uh, aerial engineer we we uh, this is in one of our packs earlier in the in the podcast here. So this is the indicator that there is some kind of potentially some kind of artifact sub theme here in blue and white. Now the question is, is there enough support for this to be an actual archetype, or is it more like you get four or five cards that have a synergy, and the archetype is really just flying over the top like it always is? Yeah, I, I think it's also interesting that the creature has flying. Sometimes. Right? So like sometimes, so it's kind of hinting to you that that's what they're doing anyway. Like if you have other flyers, it can block on the ground. I, I think what it's got going here is the Thopter Producer, which is a pretty good common. There's also a common artifact for five mana that's a three five, unless you have a blue creature, at which point it's a five five. And like a five five for five in blue is pretty good. And nobody's fighting you for that. Like, that's functionally a blue card. There's also some other playable artifacts. Like, there's there's not a lot of stuff that's, like, amazing. But you can just play Field Creepers if you need to. Like, you're, you're going to need some number of two drops to trade with your opponent's two drops. And then we've got at common the Sky Scanner. Three mana for a 1-1 one, one flyer when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. I still think that's almost as good as Skittering Surveyor. And I understand the downsides and that it doesn't help you splash. It doesn't necessarily get you your next land drop. But I think the body's a little more relevant being a flyer. Um, and then blue-white is flying anyway. So I, I think there's enough support that this will actually do its thing some number of the time. Mm -hmm. I think the nice to have in this one is the white artificer. The, uh, oh, the yeah. one that gives plus two, plus two, and indestructible to an artifact. That's, um, you know, if, if you start taking, like, I think you don't want to start your draft with the uncommon card, and you probably don't want to start your draft with the artificer. Maybe you do. But I think, like you said, when we were looking at the pack one pick ones there, you start with, like, a Luminous Bonds, you pick a Pioneer, and then you get past the uncommon, and you're like, okay, now I'm in. Now I'm looking for things like Artificer, Sky Scanner, Field Creeper, you know, that 3-5 that, that you mentioned. I think that's the order that you want to do this in. I don't think you want to first pick that uncommon. Um, and I probably wouldn't even first pick the Artificer, to be, on, to be honest, either. I mean, there was a, a red black creature in Kaladesh block that gave artifact creatures like plus two plus O or something. And I remember losing some games to that and winning a few with it as well. Like that was a powerful effect, but that was also a format where almost everything came with a servo token. So I feel like you've got to work a little bit harder to make the art the, the white artificer work in this format than you did there, but it's still a, a ridiculously powerful effect and it gives them indestructible. Yeah. You just, that's probably more of a pack two pick or pack three pick for me, I think, right? Like, take yeah, your yeah, removal yeah. spells early, right? So, um, but you could also just like blue white flyers and your aviation pioneer is still a great card in that deck, right? So, mm -hmm. all right. Uh, in black red, we've got the typical sacrifice sub, sub theme. So, the uncommon here was the, um, was it the 3 3 menace that uh, whenever it attacks, you can sacrifice a creature. If you do, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So, basically, five, five menace. Yep. Uh, it's called Brawl Bash Ogre, and it's two black red. Two black red. So your key cards, obviously, in this are your Active Treason, and then any kind of repeatable sack outlet. So whether that be the Brawl Bash Ogre or the the Harpy, so the the one the three mana one two flyer that can sacrifice a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it. That's really kind of all you need. I didn't really see much else for sacrifice outlets. I might have missed something, but I think it was just a couple of things, and then maybe there was one at rare that I missed. There's also things like the recurring skeleton dude. Mm -hmm. So like there's some other stuff that's kind of sacrifice fodder for you. Uh, there's also a lot of cards to return cards from your graveyard for you. Um, a lot of the, the, the like payoffs for this are at uncommon. 
So I feel like this is one that's not going to come together as an archetype quite as often. Uh, that said, like this creature on its own is pretty dang good. I'd play mm -hmm. a hill giant with menace and be happy about it. And then if you like your opponent has to respect that you can do this, even if you're not doing it. Right. So like they may be in a situation where they've got a pair of grizzly bears that they could block it with. But if you want them to just take five damage, you can totally make that call. And it seems like with the amount of burn that we're going to get in red, um, that, that you might just be happy with that. I, I still don't think I'm, I'm on board for first picking the Brawl Bash Ogre. But again, if, if I pick a Lightning Strike, get past a Lich's Caress, and then get past this, all of a sudden we're talking. I think I'd rather take the Harpy over the Brawl Bash Ogre if I, if I had to pick one first. Yeah, if it's between just those two, I think I'm with you. Because I like the idea of repeatable effects that have a lasting effect on the board. Um, and it flies, right? And you can sometimes just get an extra couple of points of damage if you end up with like a Doom Dissenter or the Goblin Token Maker, right? The the 1-1 one, one that comes with the 1-1. One, one. Um, but yeah, like taking Gravediggers, obviously, or taking in any black deck. And reassembling Skeleton, does it go in other decks? Like, are you playing a 1-1 one, one blocker for that comes back? Or are you, is this just in the Sacrifice deck, do you think? I mean, I have. Have you ever spent two mana to tap a 7-7, seven, seven, you know, without trample? Because that's functionally what you're doing here. And, like, I've, I've done that plenty of times. So, like, I've played this in control decks. There's also a decent number of X ones. Like, looking here at just common, uncommon, and rares, there's 17 creatures that trade with a reassembling skeleton. I guess 16, because the skeleton is one of them. So there's, there's a few things that this can just block and kill. Mm -hmm. So, like... I, I could play it in any deck, but again, both the Harpy and the Skeleton are uncommon. So like, yes. it's not like we're seeing a lot of these. Yeah, I think if you take the Harpy, you take the Skeleton, and you're probably pretty happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Red-Green is up next, and this is this is a ramp deck of the set. It's, has it been a while since we've had Red-Green ramp? Usually, it's it, lately it's been Blue-Green. It has been for a long time, although I'd argue that Dominaria was presenting us with Red Green Ramp because uh, Kicker just wanted to ramp. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So this is uh, the uncommon here is one in a one green red for a two two uh, that taps to add one mana of any color, and then it has the quote unquote mana sink of seven tap and sacrifice to make a five five dragon creature token with flying. Um, key cards in this one. So you have your your ramp card here. You've got Druid of the Cowl. You've got uh, Dry Green Seeker, which is not really ramp, but it helps you hit your land drops. This is the 1-3 that taps to look at the top card of your library. If it's a land, you put it in your hand. Uh, Elvish Rejuvenator, which is the 1-1 one -one that was it look at the top five cards, and you can put a land into play, so most of the time it's ramp. Um, and you've got Gift of Paradise, Manolith. There's a lot of ramp slash hitting your land drops spells in this set which is i think is great so there's there's definitely a lot of support for this archetype whether you're in green red or just straight green yeah and we found one that i think i'm ready to first pick because the power level's here so maybe not over premium removal probably over mediocre removal uh because i i, I get i get a three mana two two which is fine if i'm getting beat down by a three two i'm not too proud to just jump in front of it I get to untap and have, generally speaking, five mana at my disposal, which is where I can start casting some legitimately big stuff. And then after I've casted all of that and I flood out, I'm functionally giving this plus three, plus three and flying uh, and can't tap it for mana anymore. That seems great. 
Like, then I could even, you know, maybe buy it back with a splashed grave digger and do it again. Like, there's there's a lot of a lot of things going on for this card. It also seemed like dragons were a particularly powerful theme in red specifically. So like there's a lot of big stuff I can cast with this, and it, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be hard to ramp to it um or to, to get them. Like we had a common dragon that you put in there as a possible first pick. Yeah, like, the five mana three three that with basically kicker, right? So you're casting that either on curve right or on four mana with this guy or you're casting it with his kicker cost for eight which is great either way yeah and then after you've cast it with his kicker cost you make another dragon like this guy seems great to me yeah i i agree i'm with you on that one um and it should be easy to pick up your payoffs right like obviously you Mm -hmm. want to ramp into something but there's enough good cards in this set that you can ramp to and it sometimes it ramps to itself like well it doesn't it doesn't ramp to itself but a buddy can help ramp to itself yeah um all right Blue-red spells, this is, a, again, a common theme in a lot of draft sets. Um, our buddy Enigma Drake is back. That's uh, one red-blue for the Star 4 Flyer, where star is the number of instants and sorcery spells in your graveyard. We also have Gutter Snipe, which is, I think, sneaking up in there. Um, I'm not sure which. I, I think I'd take Gutter Snipe over Drake. Nah, the Drake's better. Mm, I've played with both of them. I have two. I think, I think I want the Gutter Snipe more than the Drake, because if I end up not in red blue i could still end up with a bunch of instants and sorceries and play gutter snipe and have it be relevant right like if i end up with like a couple of shocks a lightning strike and electrify and like a murder and then maybe you know a waltz or a mind rod or something like that i'd probably still play gutter snipe in that deck then it's a three mana two two that functionally deals two damage to your opponent when you play it the reason enigma drake is so good is because of that star four on a three drop it blocks so many things. If we go back to this list and change it from toughness to power, um, there are very few things that get through here. There's 16 creatures with four power, nine with five, and five with six. So like there's there's 49 two power creatures in this set that the Enigma Drake's just like, whatever, you can't attack through me. There's 32 with three. It's like, whatever, you're not attacking in. So it, it buys you the time to cast all the spells. And then once you've cast them all, you can kill your opponent with. Now, all of that said, this this card is exceptionally powerful. Uh, I played with it in M and Cat block and recently here with uh, Hour of Devastation block. The problem is, like, the, 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 the Rakdos card, the Brawl Brash Ogre, is kind of telling you what this, this, this color pair wants to do. But it's still good in the color pair if you're not doing that right? Because I can still threaten to do it and attack my opponent, uh, and I'm still pretty happy with a 4-mana 3-3 Menace. The problem with the Enigma Drake that I bumped into in Amonkhet was I could draft blue-red decks that weren't particularly spell-focused and were still very good. So, like, I have to be playing blue and red and be spell-focused. So it's really asking me three things out of a gold card, which means I don't get to play with this very much. Because where I where I need to see this is I I pick a lightning strike, um, I pick a divination, and then I get past an enigma drake, and I'm like, all right, let's do it, uh, because I, I need to have enough creatures in there to still be able to block. Um, so like I, I'm not huge on first picking this, but I do recognize the power level of the card. Mm. Honorable mention I think goes to the Avon Wind Mage in here, the common two two flyer with pseudo prowess. Yeah, that guy's um, good. I think you know. 
you're going to pick up Aven Wind Mages early, or not early, but like in pack one, because you're like, I can be blue and I have a couple of Aven Wind Mages, and then all of a sudden you get a Drake in pack two, and you're super stoked for that. Yeah, I I honestly think that the the Wind Mage is a, a better pick than the Gutter Snipe. So if I'm looking at Gutter Snipe, Enigma Drake, and the the Wind Mage, I'm picking the Wind Mage because like that's gonna be that's gonna be good in any blue deck. Even if I never trigger the prowess, I'm still functionally getting a wind drake, which is a fine magic card. And I'll have a spell or two. Maybe it goes together and does a thing. Whereas the gutter snipes the same thing, but just not evasive. Instead of getting plus one plus one, I deal two damage. So if things don't come together, I'm playing a scathe zombie. Not really excited about that. And like an enigma drake that sits as a zero four for a long time is just the saddest drake ever. That's fair. Okay. All right, let's power through the rest of these here. So we've got red-white, which is our go-wide. Um, the red-white card is two red-white for a sorcery. Create two 1-1 one, one white soldier tokens until end of turn. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain haste. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, you know, at least in white, you want to be going wide. There's a lot of knight tokens. Uh, red has goblin tokens, or at least some number of, of cheap cards. You've got um, other hasty cards in red. You've got lots of aggressive cards in white this is pretty obvious what your archetype is here the question is is it something that will be a menace on the format or not or will it just be you know just solid is there an aggressive red white deck and can it be successful this card looks busted to me uh particularly since we've got the griffin reprint it's it's an angel this time around but five mana three three your team gets plus one plus one in vigilance mm -hmm. like i can pick that up i can pick this up i would first pick this uh, the the power level's just here. It's functionally make, you know, a pair of two twos with haste, pump the rest of your team, you know, and and cross your fingers. And like even after all of that, it's going to leave behind a pair of one ones. Like this card just looks kind of busted to me. Like I could see casting this on four. I could see casting this on you know turn eight, and it's still going to be good. The only position where it's not going to be good is if you're actively losing the game. And, like, e even there, it depends on how you're losing. Are you losing because your opponent has a 3-2 menace? This will trade for it. Like, I'm pretty unhappy if that's what I'm doing with it, but I can. So, like, a, a super expensive raise the alarm is, is still okay, but I, I think the thing that you want to do, obviously, is build your deck around planning on, like, if I get behind, I'm just going to lose. Let's just try to go as, as aggressive as I possibly can. And we've already mentioned the Dragon Fodder variant, uh, there's plenty of ways to make knight tokens. So, like, just get all of those cards you can that make more than one creature. Put this in there, and you ought to be fine. Or just curve out. Or just curve out. Yeah, you. so you're looking at top. This is your curve topper. You're probably not looking for anything at five mana or more. Uh, you're going to play all the three ones you can get. You're going to play your three two with Menace. You're going to play everything, right? Yeah, I still want a knightly valor or two in this deck. I'll probably top out at, at five. But, I mean, th this is a nice card because it's flexible enough that I can just play it as my 4-drop. Like, imagine I just go 3-1, you pass. Um, I play the 3-2 Menace, and you play a 2-3, and then I swing in. You know, you're going to trade for that. You've already taken 6 damage. I've still got the 3-2 Menace, and then I play this. You know, and maybe you played, you know, a 2-2, two -two and you, you're holding up a combat trick. And all of a sudden, you still can't block my Menace guy. He's hitting you for 4 now. So you've taken 10 damage off of that. You can't block one of these. You've taken 12 damage. You're at 8. I've still Basically. got my Menace guy and play in a 1-1. One, one. Basically like, game over. Yeah. Next turn Lava Axe. See you later, buddy. 
<laughs> so like just curving into this seems good. And the fact that you could top deck it later and it's, it's going to be even better. Like the card just seems busted to me. That's fair. I enjoy, or I, I'm looking forward to enjoying you drafted on stream. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, green, black. What, what is this doing? What is the green, black archetype in this set? I haven't quite, it's like kind of aristocrats. It's like, kind of just like death touchy control i'm not really sure what it's supposed to be doing here what do you think i think we're going for value okay it's, it's kind of what we're doing here so we've got poison tip archer two black green for a two three reach death touch whenever another creature dies each opponent loses one life so can we just cop out there and say that quote value is an archetype is that something we can do I think so, because I, I mean, that's that like black has a lot of graveyard recursion mm -hmm. and green has a lot of, you know, solid dudes, combat tricks, fall of the dentures for removal. So I, I think what we're going for here is is kind of do board control through creatures and then recur those creatures. So like imagine that again, we're in a scenario where you have a three, three, I have a three, three prior to combat. I play this and swing in with my three, three and you need to block. Well, you're going to block and still take two damage, right? And then the next turn, I untap Macabre Waltz, discard a land, get back the 3-3 three, three and a 2-drop that traded earlier, hit you for two with this. Like, all of the while that's happening, you know, I can be trading this off and recurring it back. So I, I, I think maybe value grind is what mm -hmm. we're trying to look at from here. Gravedigger grind. There's actually a few cards that gets... There's a green card that gets a card back from the graveyard as well, right? Like, almost like recover... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can buy that. So it's not value, but your value is like that grind, that recursion from the graveyard. And can okay. we mention real quick how good rabid bite works with death touch creatures? Oh yeah. It just kills anything. Yeah. It kills everything. It's two mana sorcery speed. It's dead. Doom blade. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. Poison chip, poison tip archer is the green doom blade and rabid bite is the green take vengeance no not really yeah no it's it's great okay so the next archetype again we're gonna do this value thing is blue black right we talked about psychic symbiont earlier but as far as i could tell this is like kind of the same thing it's just this value it's either you get grind right from getting the cards from your graveyard that's the black thing and then obviously making your opponent discard things as well and then the blue is just card advantage usually naturally speaking like is this control is this just straight card advantage like what are you supposed to be doing in this one i i think like this card is really telling you the three things that this archetype wants to do which is draw cards make your opponent discard cards and flyers because mm -hmm. we've got things like mind rot which is just a nice solid clean two for one divination nice solid clean two for one and then both of these colors are playing good flyers we've got a windrake in blue that gets pumped when you play spells and we got a Windrake in black that when it comes into play, it drains your opponent. So I think blue-black skies may actually be a more formidable archetype than we're used to seeing. Uh, because there's so many co good common uh, black cards, particularly the, the Sky March Bloodletter being reprinted, is the one that I think kind of pushes that into like, this may actually be a legitimate archetype. We're used to blue-white skies. I think blue-black skies is a thing too. I agree. It's like everything gets... Uh flying except green obviously and then green gets giant spider yeah 
Okay. And there's a right. recent giant spiders here. We're kind of going to need it. Giant spider, I think the value keeps going up and up for me here. So, okay. And then the next ones, I think, are a little obvious. Uh, Black White has the Regal Bloodlord, which is the 2-4 flying vampire. Whenever you gain life, you get a bat token. Um, we've talked about this before. We talked about it extensively on the last podcast, but um this is probably the most obvious and easiest archetype to build around you need these you need pride mates and there's i think a couple of other cards that care about life gain as well and then you just need any number of lifelink or life gain spells that aren't terrible yeah Period. yeah right just put them together just put them together um you, there's enough incidental life gain that if you have a single pride mate it's probably still fine as a bear as a grizzly bear with random upside and this is probably fine as a 2-4 flyer with some random upside like i think if you get one token off of this you're pretty happy if you get two you're over the moon i think yeah for sure um green white enchantments so the satyr enchanter one green white for a 2-2 whenever you cast enchantment spell draw a card i like that it's not whenever it enters the battlefield so that you can you know if you get two for one do you still get the uh the, the card off of this um there's a lot of good enchantments the question remains to be seen is that is this a format that you can actually play those enchantments in? we've seen a lot of really good instant speed removal spell in red as well as black um blue has some bounce there's enchantment based removal in pacifism and things like that so it's like are you setting yourself up to get two for one a lot does the format support this i think that's a question that remains to be seen but i, I don't think you need satyr enchanter to make that good i think you just need good enchantments um and creatures to put them on how likely are you to play this in an average green white deck that just happens to have two luminous bonds in i think there's way better things in your three drop spot than this one there probably are but like let's let's do remember that it can trigger off of some removal spells Mm -hmm. like if three color decks are a thing and my removal is two dwindles and two luminous bonds uh maybe we're starting to talk here Right, maybe you, maybe you could splash for this, but like if you've got three luminous bonds and you see this guy fourth pick, you think you take this guy fourth pick easily? Yeah, sure. Like three is the number for me. If I've got three luminous bonds, I'm happy. If it's two luminous bonds and one other aura, I think I'm probably still playing this. So like, I, I don't think it's a powerhouse, but I think if I ever draw a card off of this, I'm super thrilled about it. Yeah, I think the you want the the thornwood the thornwood armor. What is it? The one that comes back from the graveyard. Yeah. I think that and this are best friends, right? Like, if you're taking this, you're prioritizing the aura. Talons mm-hmm. of Wildwood comes back. It's plus one, plus one, and has trample, and it two and a green brings it back from the graveyard. Yeah, so, like, you could do that and, you know, throw that on something, attack with it, they trade for it, bring it back. It's, it's again, kind of a slow, grindy thing. There was also one that uh, gives it power and toughness boost, for, like, equal to the number of forests that you have. So there's enough auras that I, I think if you're playing that deck... You can use this guy so that when you get two for one, because you're gonna, it's not as devastating because you've drawn that extra card. I still don't think it makes the archetype. I think it just plays nicely in it. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that's an important distinction, right? Is it's like, you know, there's the cards that you take and you're like, I'm in this archetype. And then there's the cards that are you get in pa- you know, on the wheel or you get it in pack two or something like that. And you're like, sweet this supports my archetype, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to recognize the difference between those. What's a first pick and what's not a first pick. And then finally, we have the archetype, which I think will be my favorite archetype, is blue-green Skyrider Patrol. Yep. Which is, uh, so the key cards in this are Skyrider Patrol, which we've talked about before. Um, and your nice-to-haves in this deck are just multiple Skyrider Patrols. 
Yeah, I I think it also plays nicely with any large green thing because mm-hmm. you know the bigger the thing that you're giving the counter and the flying to, the better. But it it even works with like Druid of the Cowls, right? Like I play that on turn two, I play this on turn four, and then I put a counter on the Druid, and all of a sudden I've got a two four flyer swinging at you plus this, like just capitalizing on those mana dorks and turning them into actual threats later is kind of a big deal. So I just realized that Skyrider Patrol being in green means that every single color has a flyer. Yeah. So are we main decking plummet? I think I am. I think I am too. I think I'm playing at least one plummet, um, especially in sealed, but I probably play one plummet in draft. And uh, if not, it's a high sideboard priority for me. Certainly. So, like, we we did talk Skyrider Patrol to death. Which of these are first picks for you, and which of these are, I hope I open it in pack two when I'm already in the archetype? Uh, I think the Draconic Disciple, so the red-green one, is a first pick. You said Heroic Reinforcements is a first pick. I'm not quite there, but I think that's just because I don't like drafting the red-white aggro deck usually. Uh, Poison Tip Archer, I think, is probably pretty close. Yeah, symbiont, that one I, no question about. Yeah, Symbiont, I think, is in that same tier as, like, probably pretty close. No, nah, it's a first pick. That one's you, just good. You think? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Bloodlord I'm in because I think you can force the black-white archetype easier than any other archetype. Um, and then Skyrider Patrol, obviously, I think I'm first picking as well. I'm going to talk you into Psychic Symbiont real here, real quick here. Is 4 and a blue for a 3-3 flyer pretty good? It's okay. I mean, in this set, there's a lot of flyers you can get for cheaper, but yes. It's not a bad deal. And then just tack on a black for I draw a card, you discard a card. Sign me up. You're not wrong. It's basically a free divination on your 3-3. It's basically a 3-mana 3-3 draw two cards. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the the speed of the format, obviously, right? You're right. If if the format is, um, you know... Sl- too fast for a, for a six mana spell and too slow for or, or sorry and and slow enough for a four mana spell and poison chip archer then poison chip archer is going to be better right because it shuts down a lot of those aggro cards yeah that's um, fair right it it really depends on the speed of the format but I'm I'm in on it right like I can see first picking it out of a lot of packs too but um very few if z- actually I think only skyrider patrol passes the murder slash lightning strike test. Uh, I think I might just take heroic reinforcements over that. Over murder and lightning strike? Yeah, I, that card looks really busted to me. I, I need to play with it some more, but it just feels like it, it slams a door so shut uh, that I, I'm interested in playing that. But I, I, I would agree that Skyrider Patrol certainly does, and I don't think the others compete. And I might be wrong about heroic reinforcements, but just reading that and think, you know, just like four mana pair of tutus with haste, like the, it it it's it's got all the upside of lightning strike, and then it just gets higher from there. And it could be because I did those Aether Revolt, you know, flashback drafts on Arena, and the Griffin was so good, and the bots just didn't value them properly. So you could get four Griffins in your deck and just slaughter people with them. Yeah, and I think that the Dawn Feather Eagle or whatever it's called in this one, the Angel of Hope. I'm just making up names at this point now. I think it's an Angel of something. Angel of your dead. Angel of Angel of the Dawn. Um okay. being uncommon is is good for that, right? Like if you take a heroic intervention, you will get an Angel of Dawn at some point. usually. Um it's, it might, it's common. It might be in pack two, right? It might be in pack two when the cards are coming the other way, but you should be able to prioritize that and, and get one of those. And you can get a 
the charge variant, whatever it's called, the heroic something or other. Inspired charge. Inspired charge, that's what it is, right? Like, you can get cards of those types um, if you want to f- force this archetype. Or not force this archetype, but, like, first pick the heroic, inter- or sorry, the what's, uh, heroic reinforcements, and then build around it. Like, you should be able to get those cards. Just like I said, like, you should be able to get the life gain cards mm-hmm. because there's a lot of them. There are enough of these, and they really only go in, like, one or two styles of decks, so... Yeah, so other other people aren't going to want them. There's even that, that equipment, the Marauder's Axe, which isn't bad with tokens either. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like there's just good support for a go-wide-style deck. I think it's going to be the boogeyman of the format. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to week one to seeing what we how wrong and how right we are about this. Me too. Me too. Yeah, and how many mill decks I lose to because I didn't mention it as an archetype. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that too. It's not going to be good, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap it up there? We went a little over time, but I think it's I think it's deserved here. Yeah. All right. We're gonna call it there. Thanks for listening. Um, where can they catch you this week? Uh, drafting well on arena, and then doing some M nineteen sealed, and then your special event down the road. You can find that at twitch.tv slash simulan. I'm also on uh, Twitter under the same name. It's just at simulan. And I'm at D Civilian. That's D S A V I L L I A N on Twitch and Twitter. You can follow us on Men from Moto as well. We're at Men from Moto. You can also check out the Patreon if you're interested in supporting us that way. That's Patreon.com/slash Men from Moto. Once again, thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com for the support and the host. You'll notice that Mana Deprived is no longer. It is now Magic.FaceToFaceGames.com. So check us out there. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Adios.